today on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. This month has uh, in store for us some amazing things when we look up into the sky. In terms of astronomy, we have the much-publicized solar eclipse. We have a, a meteor shower that is about uh, to take place. It's an exciting time to be uh, an astronomer or into astronomy. You don't necessarily have to be an astronomer. You can have a telescope and be a kid and look up to the stars and be uh, wowed by what is going on in our skies. Here to spread a lot more uh, joy and uh, news and, and more so information on what's happening over the next few weeks is Paul Delaney, Professor of Astronomy at York University and joins us now. Paul, how are you? Oh, very good indeed, Rick. Thanks for joining us today. There, there are a lot of things to talk about in our solar system over the next uh, couple of weeks. One, in fact, just happened, uh, I guess it would have been yesterday, the Sturgeon Moon. What the heck is that? <laughs> well, it was a fancy name for the full moon of the month of August. Uh, every full moon uh, for, uh, throughout the year has got a different name uh, that's been attached to it by differing indigenous peoples. Uh, and the folks who uh, inhabited this area around the Great Lakes referred to the August full moon as the Sturgeon moon, associated with, obviously, catching fish in the Great Lakes. Uh, apparently, it was a darn good time of the year for <laughs> going out and doing that sort of thing. But it goes by a, a multitude of differing names. Uh, you know, the, the wheat corn moon. Uh, I've even heard it referred to as the cranberry moon. So it, it just depends sort of which corner of the world you want to uh, you know, interrogate as far as the name that's associated with that full moon. And that was a partial uh, lunar eclipse, correct? Absolutely. It was a busy night. Uh, the eclipse wasn't visible here uh, in North America, but um, I have seen some footage from Europe, and uh, as always, uh, lunar eclipses are always quite the crowd-pleaser, so as to speak. In this particular instance, though, it heralds the fact that two weeks from now we've got the solar eclipse. So last night's eclipse was a little bit of a, a warm-up act, shall we say, uh, but uh, the, the big show is two weeks from now on August 21st. That is uh, the solar eclipse. We're, we're going to get to that in a couple of uh, minutes, but I do have a couple more items to get to before we get to, I guess, the showstopper, if you will. Uh, one, and I've seen this before, I, I used to live in Fort McMurray, Alberta, and, uh, and aside from the Aurora Borealis, which was just amazing to see, uh, the Perseid meteor shower, one year, it was in the, the mid to late 90s, when I was there, was uh, very active. And, uh, you know, you look up to the sky and just see this amazing light show. And this is going to happen August 11th and 12th, correct? That is correct. In fact, it does that every single year. It's as regular as clockwork. Uh, the Earth, as it moves around the sun, passes through the debris uh, path, the debris orbit associated with a defunct comet by the name of Swift-Tuttle. It basically uh, broke up and left uh, a trail of material in its original orbit, and the Earth plows through that on the evening of August 12th every single year. And as you say, it generates a terrific fireworks display. Literally, it's a natural fireworks display. Some years better than others, but it never disappoints. Uh, and all of the things that we've been speaking about today have got another thing in common. You don't need a telescope. I mean, you know, looking up to the, uh, uh, the lunar eclipse last night, your eyes and you know, maybe, maybe a pair of binoculars, but uh, a, a fireworks display like the Perseids, you don't need any optical aid. You just need to literally find yourself a reasonably dark location, get nice and comfy, and settle down for a half-hour watch. Uh, you know, no binoculars, no telescopes, just a nice, clean, east, northeastern sky. And, you know, you can see all these wonderful shooting stars, some of them amazingly bright. We call those bolides, others somewhat fainter, but at the rate of anywhere upwards of one a minute at its peak. 
And uh, how come some years are more active than others in terms of how how you're able to see or how many you're able to see? Well, uh, it's primarily the thickness of that debris trail that I was referencing. If we pass through, if the Earth passes through the portion of the orbit that was relatively close to the um, nucleus of the former comet, then the amount of material that we're passing through is higher. Uh, if uh, in the, the ensuing year we pass through a thinner region of debris, then the amount of material striking the Earth's atmosphere is less, and so therefore the fireworks display, if you will, the shooting star number does drop. But it never drops to zero. That's the really nice thing. Hmm. It can get really, really uh, almost frantic, but most years it's just a nice, steady display. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen to The Scott Thompson Show weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.